Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the upper room. In this week's Upper Room Conversation, the guys investigate some of the barriers that keep us from hearing God and seeing His kingdom at work. Welcome back, everybody, to the Upper Room Conversation. Uh, Once again, it's just me. Your host, Brian, and across from me, uh, my good friend and counterpart, my brother, Giles. How are you this morning, or this evening, Giles? <laughs> I'm doing great. I mean, the podcast do, does go out in the morning, so I guess we could say morning, this but we tend, we tend to record it at night, though, so I'm doing very well on this wonderful, beautiful day. Good. Hey, you know, last week we discussed this concept of spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear, and we just talked about you know, basically tried to give people hope um, that this was a, a possibility for them to to hear from God, that God wants to speak. And today, you know, um, I'm and actually in my in my daily reading, I was in John chapter nine, and where Jesus says, "I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind." And to show those who think that they see that they are blind. And this leads us into this second part of the conversation, which is it's very possible that whether it be a season or whether it be more in general, that there's this second group of people that don't particularly have eyes to see and ears to hear and even in Jesus' case here, you know, he actually came to reveal that to us, to reveal to us, to render his judgment and to reveal to us which camp we were in. But we want to spend a lot of time today helping people identify, you know, maybe why they might be struggling. And uh, you're going to start out with um, just a, a story and an excerpt from uh, Robert Coleman, correct? Correct. And Robert Coleman, as many of you may know, wrote The Master Plan of Evangelism. The book I'm actually taking this out of is The Master Plan of Discipleship, which sort of dives into really the Acts stories of the Acts Church of Discipleship and Disciple Training. Um, So this concept of spiritual blindness shows up throughout Scripture many times, Old Testament, New Testament. We were Last week we shared a bit about how it was, um, how people that have sight would show up in scripture, you know, maybe the prophets or these other individuals, but there are many examples in scripture of people that are spiritually blind. And so I want to use the story of Stephen to sort of illustrate, Coleman uses the story of Stephen, so I'm sort of using some of his stuff, but of Stephen when he is prior to being stoned and his interaction with the Pharisees. And Coleman actually says, is not to, Difficult to understand that when the when they heard these things, so this is when the Pharisees heard what Stephen was saying, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Persons who consider themselves quite respectable and law-abiding, which the Pharisees would have seen themselves as, never like to be told of their rebellious nature. 
And so we're going to touch on that, but we're starting with this concept of rebellious nature is something that can lead to spiritual blindness. Then it says, then they actually crucified Stephen, but just as with the perpetrators of Christ's crucifixion, they were unwilling to accept the truth, tried to vindicate their so they tried to, they were unable to accept the truth. So they tried to vindicate their perverted ways by silencing a messenger of God. And last week we talked a lot about that with the prophets and there's scriptures about that, right? About the uh, Jesus. And he talks about the ser- the farmer that sends all the servants and they right. get killed. Right. And One then he sends it. his own son and right. they kill the son. So, it's sort of all illustrating this hard-heartedness, this spiritual blindness, the spiritual deafness. And Coleman also sends, says this, God's good news simply does not make sense to the unrepentant. So he's using that example from Acts, but I mean, there is so much in that. But I think even as we were building up the verses for this, there is so much in Scripture about spiritual deafness and spiritual blindness. And there's actually, I would probably even venture to say there's more um, stories of that than spiritual sight and the ability to hear. I, uh, I've always been amazed by both the Gospels of Matthew and of John at how Jesus turns up the heat on the Pharisees late in his ministry. And he was just I, he he just didn't mix words he he told parables they were educated and smart enough to understand the parables that he was talking about them sometimes he or even John the Baptist just straight up called them names to their face and it is uh, it's amazing to me even i think in this young ministry that that we're in here at how, how saddened I get by folks that come face-to-face with the truth of Jesus and don't repent and don't enter in and don't lean into that because he says so very clearly, like, this is why I came. And until you repent and or, you know, for me, it's the, the analogy has always been whatever's on the throne of my heart whether it's trying to put myself there or whether it's finances or, or anything else, but until you repent and remove that and place Jesus as Lord there, you're going to be in a, in a tough spot. And there are so many verses that we can draw conclusions from that a lack of repentance is a reason for someone's hard-heartedness or their inability to hear or see. But we can actually even go to Scripture, though, that specifically ties those things together, right? So go ahead. Yeah, Isaiah 6, uh, verses 9 and 10, lack of repentance here. And he said, yes, go and say to his people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way... They will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Tough verse uh, that we actually see again in the Gospels, but wow, 
you know, here's the prophet Isaiah being sent to go and do what God's asking him to do and fulfill his purpose. And God's saying, look, this is really what's going to happen. And that term, they say, turn from me, turn to me. Um, that term of turning to me actually is repentance because that is turning from the lower things of man to the higher things of God, which is actually what we're doing when we repent. So he's literally saying they're unrepentant and they have, they cannot actually, (laughs) they can't actually understand or hear or see because of their unrepentant nature. So, I mean, Isaiah is hitting there, but this is the message that God is giving directly to Isaiah to speak. And these, you know, this is, a, again, I said, you know, I said a second ago, this was a tough verse. It's a tough verse because I think people want to want to harp on and think about the wrong pieces of this, you know, where God is telling Isaiah, basically God's telling Isaiah, like, they're not going to. And if you think for one second that God's not saddened by this, I mean, you're wrong. I mean, he, he's definitely saddened by this. He's definitely affected by this. And the bottom line is, is that we have to accept, and I, I feel like I say this almost every week, we have to accept that we have a choice in the matter. We have a choice in the matter whether to enter in and lean into Jesus is Jesus, God is God, and I'm not, and repent of whatever it might be that he's trying to bring in front of me, or to or to not, or to put my hands over my ears, la, 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 you know, and stop and stop listening. An unrepentant heart doesn't isn't created in a vacuum. Right? I mean, I'm thinking about I'm I'm reading this verse and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, why would people be unrepentant? What what is the nature? There has to be a trade-off. If I'm gonna stand in pride against God or stand on some kind of foundation of not turning to him, of being unrepentant. And I think Isaiah addresses that later on in Isaiah 44, 17 through 20. I believe Isaiah is sort of hit it on the head. There's a reason why, one of the big reasons why people do not repent is because of false idols. Right. And uh, I'll read this one, and then I'm going to have Brian talk about it a little bit because it's pretty powerful. And it, again, you'll hear some of those key words of eyes not to see and ears not to hear again. Okay. So it says, then he takes what's left and makes his God a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it, rescue me. He says, you are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why. It's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all, yet he cannot bring himself to ask. This is, this is again, this pride, right? Is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Wow. Wow. You know, and this is a tough one because... You know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, you know, my I can trust my conscience if Jesus is what I'm focusing on, what, where my thoughts are and, and my direction is. But if I've got anything else that's standing in the way, anything at all, Jesus is going to expose that. And and, and I always, I, 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 I tell the story about him tapping me on the shoulder. He, you know, I want to talk to him. I want to bring my prayer request to him and so on and so forth. And then 
he just ever so gently taps me on the shoulder and says, well, what about this? And I know for me, you know, for me, finances have been a major idol in my life. I totally bought into the Western work up the corporate ladder, 401k, make more money, do more. And money enables me to do and have the things of life. And it's really just been in the last couple of years that God has repositioned my heart and said, well, no, I do all of those things. I have chosen to allow you to work at this good financially stable company. I've chosen to give you a mind that can think and operate and, and a, and a skill set that makes you good at what you do, but I'm the one that provides. And I had to come face to face with that false idol in my life about God being my provision. Mm -hmm. And I love how you brought in a definition of an idol for people, because if I'm thinking about, Oh, well, I'm looking at the 10 commandments and I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to worship false idols. I could fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm not carving up something and I, or I'm not wor I'm worshiping God. I'm not worshiping some other deity, but the false idols that we're talking about and that Jesus was talking about and that Isaiah was talking about were a lot more than just the carved things. It was what people were putting their trust in. Right. And you said that about the fi what finances that could be something that people put their trust in what people were devoting their heart to as the main purpose. We could even say family. I mean, if I, I hate to go there, but you know, the reality is anything that we put above God is an idol. So I mean, that's well, right. You, right, Brian. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know, I know you guys, uh, you know, haven't had kids and, and, but for me and, my peers, our, our peers that have and that do, um, the, the kids' activities, I don't think that there's any question that in today's world and society here in the Midwest, at least, I can't speak for everywhere, that it's, it's gotten way out of hand that people will miss, people will miss just about anything for a kid's event. I'm talking funerals, church on Sunday morning, uh, getting people to commit to small groups and, and things that are, you know, maybe good. It's just amazing to me sometimes what will come before other good exercise, fitness, working out, like, what will come before my time, my relationship with God. But, but I, and you said it, but Isaiah says it right there. He trusts in something that can't help him at all. I, so for anybody who's listening, I mean, just stop and think. Like, where are you placing your trust? And if it's anything other than the person of Jesus, we're missing it. Can we actually look at that last line and say, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Can I even accept? Can I even accept? And this is where this is where we've run into some issues recently in the last year or so. It's 
it's a hard one. It is a hard one to be that person sitting on the other table. I mean, here's the thing, Charles, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots, right? I admit that I do. And I think even in the time that we've lived here, you know, there've been a number of times like where I've come to you and said, am I, please tell me if I'm missing something. Cause I get it. I know I've got blind spots and I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anything that I've, but, but I, we all have blind spots and a, a real good question is, do you have people in your life that are willing to say that are willing to, that, that have permission to have those difficult conversations about, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe your, your priorities, which I think is another word that we could use for idols. Maybe your priorities are a little bit out of whack here. And how do we bring those back into alignment with what scripture tells us? And truthfully, we can become so distracted that our idols can be unintentional. Mm -hmm. But this is the critical aspect of why it's important to be intentional. And that's what, you know, in Isaiah 44, it's like this intentional thing. This thing in your hand could be a lie. But my question is, are you actually asking, is this thing in my hand a lie? Well... And let, let's let's go there. There's a thing that is in the majority of everybody's hands that's listening to us right now. And for some people, for some people, they may be looking for peace and comfort and rest and distraction in pornography on that on that device. For others, it may be the affirmation that they get from somebody liking their story or their picture or their post. For somebody else, it can be righteousness in a political conversation with someone else. Yes. On on that device. And so maybe, maybe it's not the 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 actual device, the phone itself, but something that you're seeking when you go there. And so you talked about this word intentionality. I might be somebody that I need to be intentional about where I put that phone while I'm working, where I put that phone while, where, when I'm doing my, you know, quiet time with God, where I put my phone when I'm trying to go to bed and to sleep simply as an act of this is not where I get anything. Could we say why? It's just a chunk of plastic. Right, instead of wood. Exactly. That's a great word. And that thing about in the hand, it like, wow. Uh, And I don't know what it meant when they were holding those things in their hands. But if it was something that they were putting their focus on and all their attention on, and it was distracting them from God, the true God, I think we need to be intentional about what we're doing with these things. And this isn't a podcast about throwing away your device maybe you need to do that but this isn't a podcast about throwing away but it's really about how we know if we're worshiping false idols if we actually don't ask god and actually don't sit in a place with him and say is this something that's taking away from my relationship with you right you know for some it's just um money it's you know it's spending it's feeling like you you've you've got something to hold on to something tangible and and even this word right here about it being in your hand I think about that you know unfortunately both the world around us and our flesh are very tangible 
they're very tangible. They're right in front of us all the time. And we, we have to combat those very real idols that feed our flesh and that actually, and, and the sad thing is too, is this fallen world around us actually promotes and encourages a lot of those things. And it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to undo. Can our circumstances be yes, an idol? Absolutely. Again, the same thing, right? It's this tangible thing. And we're, and we're just, and it's like, well, this is all I see. So this is what I believe, but Hello, it's what you see because of what? Spiritual blindness. Because you're not looking at the actual thing you should be looking at. You're looking again at that carved thing in front of you or that, Brian, that was a great word about tangible. Like that physical or, man, this is happening to me right in this moment. I mean, share a story real quick. I mean, you got a buddy that's always about, I got something, I'm always busy. Like, what is that? Well, you know, and and you started down this road and I know you saw that's why I'm shaking my head is busyness an idol? And and I think that I, God's really been unpacking this for me this week. Um, I've had two two in two instances in particular where one a great friend of mine I kept he, I kept challenging when we were in conversations. I would get the oh we're so busy the kids all have all these activities and I got my small group and blah blah blah. And I would push into, like, okay, well, what are you changing? What are you willing to lay down in order to not be so busy and spend more time here? And I kept pushing, pushing, pushing into that conversation. And after a couple weeks, it was like this epiphany. Like, it was like this moment where he said, man, you know what? I'm not. I'm not that busy. That's just the easy conversation to have. That's this, again, tangible, this worldly conversation that, that has become a part of our vernacular that when you first, hey, how are you doing? You don't answer with how are you doing. You answer with how busy you are. Mm-hmm. And then another individual, always busy, always swamped, always over, overwhelmed, push into that conversation. You know, how are you going to change? What are you willing to lay down? And the response was totally different. The response was, "Well, I can't. I can't lay. I'm not going to lay anything down. I don't. I don't need to lay anything down. This is just my lot in life." But, but I, God has really been unpacking with me that time when people answer that way, it's actually it's actually pride. It's actually. Um, myself, my time, my time and my priorities are my, are whatever those, whatever those are, basically what you're telling the other person is, is that this way that I spend my time, this idol, whatever it might be, my kids, my phone, my work, this idol is more important than you are. God has really been challenging me to not respond to people in that way. Because I don't ever, I don't ever want to spend, I don't ever want to send the message to another person that they are not important and that my God is not important either. That And I'm not going to say I'm too busy because he was never too busy. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't have enough time because he operates outside of time. I mean, and I was just reading again this, this story of uh, he feeds the 5,000, he's exhausted, he goes up on the hill, he's walking on water, he catches up with the boat, 
And the Gospel of John says they immediately, they immediately ended up on the other shore. And then um, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he was immediately transported to another place. God operates outside of time. Outside of time, He can make me supernatural at my job. He can make me supernaturally um, more efficient with my devotion time, with my sleep. You and I are finding that we don't really need as much sleep as we thought we did. It's so good, and you know, I know that we could just go and I know it'll be a whole nother podcast that we just go into this false idols. It's because I think it's so critical, especially in our culture, where we don't really think about idols. But the reality is it's really, we can be really trapped by them. So I think it's good that we sort of expose what some of those can be and how those things can lead to spiritual blindness. And I know we'll get back to the idol conversation, but I did want to move on, yeah. Brian, to uh, sin and rebellion. But um, Jeremiah 5.21, so sin and rebellion is another way that spiritual blindness and deafness can take place. It says, when your people ask, why did the Lord our God do all this to us? You must reply, you rejected him and gave yourselves to foreign gods in your own land. Now you will serve foreigners in a land that is not your own. Make this announcement to Israel and say this to Judah. Listen, you foolish and senseless people. Wait, I think we've heard that before in Isaiah, right? Um, with, with eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear, have you no respect for me? Why don't you tremble in my presence? I, the Lord... Define the ocean's sandy shoreline as an everlasting boundary that the waters cannot cross. The waves may toss and roar, but they can never pass the boundaries I set. But my people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned away and abandoned me. They do not say from the heart, let us live in awe of the Lord our God, for he gives us rain each spring and fall, assuring us of the harvest when the time is right. Your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful blessings. Your sin has robbed you of all these things. I think this is probably should be an obvious one. I mean, idols, I think, are hard to identify. But this this should be an obvious one for believers in that clearly if you are willfully choosing sin, willfully, in this case, willfully rejecting him, willfully giving ourselves to foreign gods and making that decision, clearly we are going to have issues hearing and seeing the kingdom around us. I mean, they're denying his own provision, right? He gives us the rain each spring and fall, assuring us of a harvest when the time is right. They're denying all of that. They're basically, they're so wicked. And that's the question. With sin in our life and the nature that we have, if we walk out our sin, are we so wicked? Can we be so wicked that we fail to even see the provision that God is providing for us, let alone have eyes to see and ears to hear? Well, and I think that's, that's again, even from the false idols and that whole false idol of time and whatnot, are you willing to, are you willing to even lean into that I may have this your sin issue may not, let's put it this way, your sin issue may not be a glaring sin issue. It may not be, you know, I eat a little too much, I drink a little too much, you know, it may not be, it may not be something that, you, you know, you're willfully wicked and evil, 
But I, but I know for me, I know for me, one of the things that I've struggled with in my story is I felt like when I sinned, when I made these willful rejections of God in the moment, and I actually acted upon them, and I moved in the other direction, that I always felt that God turned his back on me and, and walked away. And actually, you know, here it is in Jeremiah, it's actually me choosing to be my own God, choosing to make my own decisions in the moment, and actually st- kind of stiff-arming Jesus and and putting him to the putting him to the side and I'm not allowing him and allowing his words to wash over me and for him to talk. So you guys might be thinking like, well, they've been reading all these old Testament verses. Yeah. Those Israelites, they really were blind and they were deaf, but you know, with Jesus coming and giving sight to the blind and ears for the deaf, you know, that's not going to carry over into the new Testament. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part that Brian always loves to get into the New Testament too because, you know, you read, but it is cool to see. I mean, guys, this is why scripture is so awesome, right? So you start in the Old Testament, you walk through, you see this pattern. And, uh, you know, in Ezekiel 12, 2, I'm just going to read it real fast because, you know, we've said all these things, but in Ezekiel 12, 2, it took one verse. Son of man, you live among rebels who have eyes but refuse to see. They have hears but refuse to hear, for they are rebellious people. That's it. Like, yeah. he doesn't get, like, <laughs> like Isaiah and Jeremiah, they get, they're like Paul. They get a little long-winded, people falling asleep, falling out of windows. And uh, here's Ezekiel. He's like, no, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Here's what it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, so Brian, why don't you share uh, Mark, uh, the verse in Mark uh, about, about this blindness. Right. And as we... T- as we move into the New Testament, I want I want to I want to also distinguish something and, and ask our listeners a question that that we have to ask ourselves, I think. And that is as you're reading the, the words of Jesus and you're trying to figure out who he's talking to, you need to pay attention. Is he talking to his disciples? Is he talking to his inner circle of disciples? Is he talking to the twelve? Is he talking to the crowd? Or is he talking to the Pharisees? Because I think for me, I know when I was younger, you know, I tended to read these words, these harsh words that Jesus would say, and I would apply them to myself as a believer. And it's like, well, wait a minute. They, like those actually, like I need to be cautious of those. Am I moving into those areas? But in these cases, let's let's pay attention to who he's talking to. Well, here, you're right? true. And I, I like how you said that uh, because we could do it either way. Right. We could either choose to believe it or refuse it, saying, well, that's just him talking to these people that were in opposition to him, and I'm not in opposition to him. Or the other way, um, where we deny it on the other side. So I think, Brian, that was a great way of saying it. And there are situations where he does both. And I think in this, as we go through this, you'll see it's across the board, there's some struggles with believers and with those that are outside of it. True. So in Mark chapter 8, we're in verses 16 to 19. As they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. So who's arguing? Yeah, these these are the disciples, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus knew what they were saying, and he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? 
Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? So we talked about, you know, we talked about this connection between hard-heartedness and eyes to see and ears to hear. Here it is again. You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Then they looked at their feet. Twelve, they said. So sometimes, sometimes our blind eyes and deaf ears are just because we forget. Mm-hmm. And there's this word intentional again that, that you bring up so much. Yeah. I mean, the disciples, they had forgotten. <laughs> they had just seen it and they had forgotten. And as we read through scripture, we see how remembrance is such a critical element, right? I mean, especially their culture, their history, even who the Messiah is, and the fact that they forget in that moment right? There's a little bit of hard-heartedness in that moment because they have actually elevated something as well. They've elevated a loaf of bread. Right. Well, and again, there's that, the flesh, right? There's that right. hunger of the flesh that is right here before me that sometimes will distract me from what's actually right in front of me, which is, you know, Jesus and his constant provision. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs would actually say, well... The bread is going to be above the spiritual, but as a follower of Christ, Jesus says, nope, the spiritual is above the physical. So, I mean, I I think that's just a great verse to see that even in our own moments of weakness, this spiritual blindness and deafness, it's not a permanent, does not have to be a permanent state for Mm -hmm. you, but it can be if you go through, I think this verse, because these are his disciples. So obviously they were not always going to end up being spiritually blind and deaf, right guys? So as we've been sharing all these verses, you know, you may look at it and say, well, man, these people were just like this. And there was really, they would never repent. They would never turn to God. They would always, they would always remember or forget or all of these scenarios. But what we're seeing here is even with his own people, his own disciples, they were struggling sometimes with that. And I think we all do. And so, I mean, I put ourselves... We put our Brian and I put ourselves right in the same boat about spiritual blindness and deafness, and um, because we can forget the how we can forget about who God is and the provision that He does for us. So, Giles, what are I mean? What are some practical things that that we can do to to remember? If forget you know forgetting can cause me to not hear. I mean, what are some real practical things that I could do? to help help me remember and help me not forget? <laughs> you, you know you always want to ask me these questions because you know I always have the same answer. And people, the first one, honestly, is staying in, your, staying in the Word because you will forget who God is and you will forget who Jesus is if you're not in His Word, which is the truth of who He is. So I think it's such a critical element. And... Even these other distractions, if I'm not up in the morning in my scriptures, if I'm not up doing my prayer time, if I'm not spending that time with God, it is so easy for me over the day to have moments of to, to become spiritually blind and deaf to what God is saying to me. It is because of that practice and that commitment to stay in relationship with him, because really that's what Jesus is even saying in this thing. Guys, you literally were with me. <laughs> 
when I did this. When I just did this. Yeah. And you're struggling with it. You but you were there. But Jesus is saying the same things to us. But if we stray too far away from that, which we typically do when we just don't spend the time that we need to with him, that's almost a surefire way to find yourself in a situation where you are not hearing from God and you are not seeing the work that he's doing around you. Well, and I know for me, and I know for the the guys that are in my discipleship group, journaling has been another one. That's a really good one, yeah. The, 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 the discipline of journaling, guys, frequently, very frequently. In fact, in fact, that's exactly what's going on this week in my discipleship group is God is taking, Jesus is taking us back through the first seven or eight weeks of discipleship and saying, have you been listening? Like, have you seen? And and can you connect the dots? Let me connect the dots. For, so, because, because I'll be honest, there are some days when I am sp- spending time in the Word that maybe my heart's not mm-hmm. completely there, but that doesn't mean He's not speaking. He'll honor that. And so... The journaling helps me go back and 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 go back and go. Oh my gosh! And and I've even started a, a practice that I that I haven't previously done. I didn't. I previously didn't date. I didn't put dates on it. But I'm beginning to I'm beginning to see that God even speaks to me through the dates and the timing of what was going on and what time of year it is and and those kinds of things. So um, journaling is another one. You know, to be able to go back and help to not forget and not end up like these disciples and that Mark's, um, you know, that Mark is talking about. You see, sometimes in our prep, we don't really ask the questions because I know that as Brian was sharing that, that's what he wanted me to say. Uh, but you know, anytime that I have the opportunity to, to talk about reading scripture, I'm going to always throw that out as the answer. So, uh, so Brian's, Brian's laughing though, because he knows that like we both, the journaling is such a great method, but he do, but that was the answer. That's the correct answer, people. Uh, scripture, obviously, always is the answer, <laughs> but journaling in the situation with remembrance is an incredible way to remember things. You know, another one, too, is just affirmation is another way that we, you know, we sing, we sing each other's songs back to each other in affirmation. So, but yeah, definitely forgetting and rejecting God's faithfulness, just, just missing, just missing it. I always, here it is again, you know, Jesus' permanent face palm that he had with the disciples. Like, don't you remember anything at all? Um, now, this next one's tough, and yeah. um, I hope that, you know, as we're talking about eyes to not see and ears to not hear, that this is not your reasoning, but this is when you actually reject the good news, reject the gospel. Um, so in Acts 28, 27, it says, So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. So many of them believed, but others did not believe. And then they argued back and forth with each other. And then again, Paul goes back and he says, Hey, <laughs> let's go back to Isaiah and he says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let them heal them. And just a straight-up rejection of the good news of who Jesus is. You know, we talked earlier about idols. 
And a great way to kind of evaluate whether you're rejecting the good news or not is to really do an inventory of what's on the table. What's on the table? I mean, like how many people, how many people, like this is the response, and I, and I know you lived this, right? I know you li- you lived this. Um, you you make the commitment to go to Africa. You're doing you're doing you're sharing your testimony. You're sharing your story, hoping that others will join you and partner with you in that story. And how many people said, "Well, I could never do that." Um, that was the common answer, actually. And this is not in front of unbelievers. These are not only Christians people proclaiming to be Christians and living that lifestyle, but people that actually even support ministry and missions. And just for that statement to be said, I mean, and I, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. It was a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and of course too, we all have our own stories. We all have our own brokenness and, and woundedness that, that, that we have to deal with. But but basically, the reason I brought that up is because I want to encourage any of you that might be listening, listen to yourself. Listen when you say things that actually limit who God is, because it's in that moment, it's in that moment that you're actually rejecting the good news. Like, what is the good news? The good news is he came in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, one back death, one back my heart, one back my soul, and created a way for him to live inside of me and give me everything that he's got. So the proper response becomes, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he dwells inside of me. And so the proper response becomes, man, well, God's not calling me to Africa, right? So I want to partner with you because God's not calling me to Africa, and then you, you then you have this dialogue. Well, could he? Well, absolutely, he could. Is that on the table? Yeah, that's on the table, but he, but that isn't isn't where I'm at. That's a, that's a good way of saying it because it was more of, and that's what it turned into was an encouragement yeah. for people because I think it was almost they had believed, even as strong believers, they had believed a lie about the kind of things that God can do and um, how the gospel, how they could share the gospel and the methods in which they could do it, whether it was Africa or something else. So I think we we can't reject that. And again, this intentionality and is it on the table? Because with God, all things, if we serve him, all things are on the table. And um, But we trust him, don't we? Because he's good. Right. So yeah, that's a good that's a that was a that's a good story. Well, I think to share about that. I I mean to sort of put it in a more nuts and yeah, bolts for people. And, and I think that that we will spend. I think that we will probably do a podcast sometime on what is the good news. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the good news? Because we really sell we really sell God Jesus. We really sell him short on what he did and what he accomplished and. We say, well, the circumstances of my life have proven that that it didn't, that it didn't, and I think that man, here verse after verse after verse, we're saying, man, like Jesus is faithful. Jesus has done it. A lot of these verses that we're talking about, about even just spiritual eyes to hear, uh, eyes to see, and ears to hear, they're about my willful choice to to 
to go in the opposite direction of what the good news is telling me. We have a we have a little booklet that we fill in with our podcast ideas. And even today, tonight, as we've been going through this, there's three or four. There's just so much to talk about with who God is and what his plan is for us and how much he loves us. And so, yeah, I, you know, I know that these last couple podcasts have been a little tough just because the spiritual blindness is hard to hear um, because we don't want a desire to be blind. But I think we do know in our hearts when we are, and I think we do know in our hearts when we're not hearing and we're not seeing things of God. And so I think instead of condemnation, as we hear these things about rejecting the good news or forgetting about the faithfulness of God or false idols, you know, put elevating things above God or, or sin and rebellion in our life, and even that lack of repentance, I think it's, it's more of an opportunity, just like we shared last week of, man, if, if I, I, I really do want to hear from God. So, and know that when you say that, God wants to be faithful to that, mm-hmm. but these things can't be in the way because right. the noise of sin and the noise of a lack of repentance will always cover up uh, God. And we had a couple other things, guys. I think we'll just touch on them quickly because I know we're running a little long on this uh, podcast. But I just I did want to hear hit them just because yeah. uh, I'll let Brian. Uh, Brian will talk about this external, and you guys will know about this because it's about the outside of the cup, inside of the cup. But the external versus internal, this kind of spiritual hypocrisy, which can lead to spiritual blindness. Right. So in, in, the, in the scripture that we're referencing here, we won't read it all, and we'll, we'll just touch on it briefly. It's Matthew 23, where uh, you know Jesus is talking, blind guides. You know, it's the whole blind guides um, rant uh, that, that, that we go, that Jesus goes on. And so spiritual hypocrisy, you know, elevating myself above what I really am. I think that really touches back on the, the idols, uh, the idol of time and the idol of self and the idol of pride and me wanting to put on a mask and hide and you know, the whole, the whole idea of just that you can somehow fake belief in Jesus. And really it's, well, and, and truthfully, we've we've purchased quite a bit of research that would say that this younger generation, even they see right through it, they and do. it's actually really ugly and kind of gross, and and people really don't like it. And I have to read the one verse in there just because I think it's one of those ones that really hits at this thing about the airs that we may put on, or yeah, the this uh, is a good uh, one. that we think that we're something. And we're not really living any of our other week or any of our other time like that. And that is, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. So this is where we get the spiritual hypocrisy. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. And I think in some scripture it says dill. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And I think that if we're not careful, we can get caught up so much on, well, I go to church on Sunday, and, well, I tithe, even I tithe to the church, and this is my church over here, and these are my people over here, but then the rest of the week, people wouldn't know. Right. We heard a great pastor say, what, submarine Christian. Right. Like, they wouldn't even know that you're, they wouldn't even know that you're right. Christian. And so, what is God saying is more important, and he's saying, Blindness comes to those people that think they're doing the things 
but it's all about the show on the outside. Sight comes to those that practice justice, mercy, right. and faith, and love me in that way. Right. So another one, uh, we've already touched on it, but hard-heartedness, the connection. Uh, this is John chapter 9, and um, I entered this world to render... This is where we started. I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they see that they are actually blind. And Jesus finishes talking to, the, to them and says, you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. And that's that hard-heartedness. That's that example of hard-heartedness that we were talking about, a definite connection between a willingness to examine and evaluate my motives, to examine and evaluate my actions, and to line them up with the person of Jesus. And again, you can't do that if you're not spending time in the Word every day, but to line them up with the person of Jesus and say, Ooh, you know, man, I this is an area that I don't reflect Jesus and that I need to maybe yield something to him. And, and then quite frankly, you know, I was thinking about, and I think this last one, at least this leads right into this last one, but about having a community of people around you that can help you walk through these things that are trusted, that have walked through them before and that can help you navigate. Uh, We had a conversation with a young man this week that was, you know, just kind of stuck in a rut and we were able to, you know, bring, breathe some life back into him through the truths of the spirit and his willingness to address, you know, even his own role in the whole thing shows you that, that softened, that softened heart and the spiritual eyes and ears that, you know, that Jesus is. And he literally said, I'm not hearing. Yeah. That was that was that was really where the conversation started, yeah. <laughs> and we had just been happening to do all these podcasts, um, but this is I I do want to touch on that last one. Yeah, this Ryan, last one because this is one I think that in our culture we really struggle with. It's this concept of our seeking our worth and our praise from the world around us and not from God. So in John twelve thirty seven through forty one. Jesus had been doing all these miraculous signs, but many people did not believe him. And is again, this spiritual blindness. And Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. So this whole eyes to see, ears to hear, that they won't have it, Isaiah was speaking about Jesus. He already knew that. And then it said, many people did believe in him, however, including some of, however, including some of the Jewish leaders. So even some Jewish leaders were believing, but what did what happened? But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, which I'm going to just do a quick cultural, historical culture. The synagogue was the community center. Like if you're not in a synagogue and that basically you're a pariah in the society. So this is where the cultural center was for the Jewish people. It says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Man. I think again it, these all these all interconnect to me and when we talked about idolatry that, that this this is a form, this is another form of idolatry that if I'm seeking my worth from the world from anybody but God and if I'm and if I'm, I'm you know uh, my wife and I just on a walk this week had a had a conversation where she said you know she said man I was so guilty of this and and we know her religious upbringing, so it doesn't surprise us. But 
that we we worry about the attention of a pastor or an elder or a youth leader or really anybody, um, a, a coach, um, a teammate. A, 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 chur- a church congregation. A whole congregation, whether they accept me or not. And you know we've been in this we've been having this conversation recently about this whole idea of spiritual confidence, right? Confidence in Jesus. And when you, when this one, this seeking the loving the human praise more than the praise of God, when that gets reversed, when I only need affirmation and praise from God, that changes somebody. That changes a person as they as you realize that the kingdom goes with you where you go. And by the way, if you're actually listening for affirmation from God, you're going to have ears to hear. Right. Because that's what he wants to do. Because he is an affirming God. He may give you some challenges, but the affirmation comes always. I would actually, like, I love that word encouragement, right? Because it's both affirmation and challenge. It's both an invitation and a challenge into our lives. It's an affirmation, but it's a challenge. Encouragement, right? Because you're, you're building someone up and you're moving them forward. Our God wants to speak encouragement to all of you guys. And, you know, if we can, if we can repent and we can address some of these things and we can truly say, hey, I want to receive the message from you. I know I need to do that by not putting other idols in place. I know I need to do that by repenting of my sin and my rebellion. I know I need to do that by knowing your word, understanding it right. I know I need to do that by my journaling of remembrance. If we can put ourselves in that place, boy, we will hear him and we will see the things that he is doing around us. And what a glorious day it is when those things happen, when you hear God say to you, well done, you know, and that's the kind of encouragement he wants to give all of you. I cannot think of a better way to wrap it up. So thanks, Giles, for the conversation. Definitely challenging me to evaluate you know, those things in my life. And uh, I hope, I hope it does the same for all of our listeners. See you next week. Thank you.